Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Well, you're in for a treat because uh, this is a this is a wonderful documentary. As I mean, we get so many great films and filmmakers on, and well, this is one of them for certain. the uh, The film is called The Russian Woodpecker, and it's a story of Fedor Alexandrovich, who basically is determined to find out what happened in Chernobyl. He was four years old at the time of the Chernobyl nuclear accident event, however you want to describe it. And has decided, he's an artist, and he's decided that uh, he's going to track down uh, in the, the, the criminals who are behind the Chernobyl catastrophe. Uh, and it, this, is, this film takes us on an amazing journey uh, through uh, the Ukraine and into really the heart of, the, uh, of a Russian-slash-Soviet Union sensibility that as to this day has never fully explained what happened. But... Thank God we have someone like Chad Gracia, the director, producer, and editor of The Russian Woodpecker, to help us figure out a lot of this on our own. And, and Chad, welcome to Film School. Thank you. It's great to talk with you this morning. Thank you so much. Well, I, I guess this is one of those films where how in the heck did you find Fedor Alexandrovich to t- and, and what prompted yeah. this documentary? Well, I had no, I'd never made a film before. This is my first oh documentary, my first film of any, of any type. I was actually in Kiev producing a play, and my background is in theater. And Fyodor was our production designer. Any time we had a short little break, he would pull me aside and start talking heatedly about this Russian woodpecker. And I didn't know what he was talking about at first. I thought he wanted to take me to a zoo or uh, some aviary, but e- eventually I looked it up, discovered that the Russian woodpecker was a Soviet signal from the Cold War that that, uh, that made a tapping sound that was heard around the world and interrupted global communications. Uh, Chad, real quick, you sort of broke up as you were saying it was, and it, so people know it's say that the, the woodpecker is, and go ahead and say that part. It, the the woodpecker was a Soviet signal that was heard starting in 1976 on radio uh, wavelengths, and it interrupted SOS communications and television stations. It caused havoc with radio broadcasting and television around the world. And so I decided that uh, I would work a little bit with Fyodor to research it. It turns out that the signal was coming from the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, an antenna that stands right just a few kilometers next to to the station itself. There it is. It is okay. So again, and and it, the name comes from this kind of uh, was it ten hertz per second of this this signal that went out from this transmitter, as you said, interrupting exactly. signals all it around. Sounds like it sounds like a woodpecker, and it's, so they uh, yeah. they and, and people quickly realized they triangulated that it was coming from somewhere in the Soviet Union, and so it was named the Russian woodpecker. Americans had originally thought that it was a weapon and that it was intended to turn Americans into zombies, that it somehow could control our minds. <laughs> my, plan, my plan was to make a five-minute film with Theodor to debunk this, this myth. Okay. Yeah, 
Well, again, I, uh, in the interest of, uh, you know, people going to see the Russian woodpecker and discovering so much, there's so much in this movie, there's such a journey uh, that we're taken on by virtue of your, your film. I don't want to go too far into, you know, ah, too far into it, except to say we need to describe, uh, and you're saying Fyodor. Am I say, I'm saying that incorrectly. Is that Fyodor is how you say Alexandra? Yeah, okay, yeah, Fyodor. Okay. But okay. Wait a minute. Okay. So he, he grew up in the in basically in the village next to the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. And so talk about that in relation to how, how all of this kind of unwound. Well, Fyodor is one of the most fascinating, eccentric, interesting, mad geniuses I've ever met. And I knew right away um, that whatever this, whatever story we would uncover or whatever journey we would go on, that it would be miraculous. I never expected that it would be ultimately so dangerous and so unexpectedly uh, <laughs> life-altering, but I knew that it would be something special. So Fyodor, Fyodor grew up near, you know, like, like all Ukrainians, Fyodor was deeply impacted by Chernobyl. Um, the government, you know, was one of the worst nuclear catastrophes ever. The government lied to the people. And when it came time for a trial to figure out what happened, it was really a, sh a show trial. And so the people who were convicted, we, we know for certain that they, they weren't the ones who were truly guilty. So Fyodor really has had a burning desire to understand why this happened. And he had a hunch, hunch an, an art, artist's hunch, that this radio antenna, this massive steel monster that he calls it, it's a, it's a kilometer wide and 500 meters tall, it's one of the largest structures of its kind in the world, that this, this beast lurking in the shadows of Chernobyl, that it might have something to do with it. So that's... That was the beginning of our of our investigation. That's an it is amazing. It's an amazing structure. It's degraded now, but it just to see it. There's some shots in uh, the Russian woodpecker of him scaling it. There's a shot at the end, which I is such a it's such a breathtaking. By the way, great you know sort of a, from a cinematic perspective, terrific sort of closing segment on on the film. I just thought it was just wonderful the way that the way you did it. Uh, and um, but. Chernobyl, the impact, and, and, and just only... Now, let, let's go back for just a second. Sorry, stammering here a little bit. April 26, 1986, this happens, an explosion. And for several days after the explosion at the power plant, the people who live in proximity to Chernobyl power, nuclear power plant were basically told either nothing or to just stay where they were. Is that is that correct? Well, first they were told that it was routine steam exhaust, okay. that um, there was nothing to worry about. And so many people, but there was this, this deep light coming out of it. So yeah. many people got as close as they could to to watch this, and uh, most of those people died very soon after. Um, others were told nothing, and um, about almost two days later, they evacuated. They told everyone, take enough, uh, take take things for two two days, two, three days, and uh, you'll be back. And none of those people were ever allowed to return. Almost 50,000 people were, were evacuated. Um, and then it was, it was the Swedes, actually, who alerted. You know, most Ukrainians found out through Voice of America and through, through friends in Europe what actually had happened. It was 
uh, it was a few weeks later that Gorbachev went on air and told people what yeah what had what you know that there had been a serious um, a serious accident. It was thirteen days, I believe, in, in in the film. Thirteen days later, he went on and said something happened at Chernobyl. And yeah, so that that okay. that really gets to the heart of of the film, and that is that Ukraine not only has been traumatized, and the whole post the whole post Soviet space has been so traumatized, not only by the, the the murders and the repressions and the gulags, but just by living in a society of lies and a society where people don't trust the government, where paranoia and conspiracy theories thrive. And I thought that that all disappeared when the Cold War ended and when Ukraine put up a new flag. I thought this is a new world and this was all ancient history. Fyodor, from the very beginning, anyone who listened was warning. Soviet Union is still here. Yeah. Russia is going to return. The empire is going to return. Everyone thought he was crazy. But um, for, unfortunately, he was right. And he uh, also was. You know, his investigation led to some very terrifying conclusions about what happened at, at Chernobyl, and they're related to Fyodor's ideas about um, about the Soviet system. Yeah. And unfortunately, while we were in the midst of our investigation, the revolution broke out, and our crew was was attacked. Our cinematographer was was shot by a sniper, and uh, the secret police tried to shut down. Fyodor's research and threatened his family. And so in a very real way, these Soviet ghosts that Fyodor had warned me about, which I thought were just figments of his artistic imagination, they actually came, they actually came back and they, they infected our whole crew and our whole pro, our whole pro and our, and our film. Amazing. Uh, again, I, I, this is what you're describing. I mean, in addition to the film being remarkable, on many levels, it's really a, I, it's a, hard to believe this is your first film. I mean, it's really, really good in terms of just the production values of it. And then you've got this amazing subject in the in the in the form of Fyodor uh, Alexandrovich. And then you have, in addition to that, you have real intrigue and real drama and real the threat of of some serious violence uh, being perpetrated. So that side of it. Is uh, it, this sort of dual track of just the story behind the story is is pretty amazing, um, and that Fyodor was able to, by his own guile and his own intelligence and his instincts, was able to uncover what, unless you're going to tell me differently, appears to be as close to the truth as anyone has gotten on what actually happened at Chernobyl. Is that is that a fair statement? Well, it's. You know, one of the things that I learned is that in that part of the world, it's really impossible to ever know the truth for, for certain. The key documents are are locked away in uh, in a top security archive in Moscow. The transcripts of the night of the explosion have been all historians agree that they've been falsified, and now not only are they falsified, but they're also locked away. So, what Fyodor did is put together a lot of pieces of this insane, horrible, radioactive puzzle. And he put them into he put them into an order that makes sense. Yeah. But whether we can say with a hundred percent certainty that his theory is correct or not, I think it still tells us something about that world where 
where every, every theory is a conspiracy theory because there's never a fair trial. There's never been a fair judgment, not only of Chernobyl, but of the Soviet system. Yeah. And, and so every audience has to decide on their own whether they think, as um, Fyodor's friend at the beginning of the film says, half the people think Fyodor is an idiot, and the other half think he's a genius. And I often ask at festivals for people to raise their hand, and it's often split. Really? Uh, 50-50. But despite whether you think he's, he's, he's uncovered all the facts, and he's made a, a compelling case, I think that you can definitely say that you learn something about Ukraine and the post-Soviet world, and definitely something she, some major power yeah. Chad, Chad, I'm not sure if you're moving around, but you're sort of in and out, so just wanted to give you a heads up. Um, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Chad Gracia, and uh, and uh, he, along with uh, Fyodor uh, Alexandrovich, will be at the uh, Lemley Music Hall tonight. That's Friday night, October 30th, as well as, sounds like tomorrow night as well. Is that correct? Um, for... Uh- I'm not. We'll be there tonight at set for the seven ten screening for the introduction and Q and A afterward. Okay. Um, tomorrow, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. We might be there at seven tomorrow as well. Okay. But the film is playing. Uh, yeah, it's playing all weekend. It's on iTunes and Google Play and everywhere else. Online. It's on a ton of of platforms. I know Xbox. It's on. It's on a lot of of uh, other platforms. I would love for people truly to turn out to see this. Uh, live and at a theater and have the opportunity to talk with both you and uh, Theodore for uh, regarding uh, this film and the experience of making this film. And one of the things I, I really haven't uh, paid enough attention to in terms of the uh, the Russian woodpecker was that it gives you a, a great kind of uh, political context for what's been going on in the Ukraine um, and pretty up to date, fairly up to date. Obviously, there's a there's a bit of a, a, a gap but it, it does. It gives a, a nice and his involvement in and in, in, uh, for people who are looking for a free and independent Ukraine. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot in the film to learn from from all of that. How long ago did you wrap up on the film? We finished about just a few days before our premiere at Sundance. So that was um, January of this year, okay. and we started about a year and a few months before that. Okay. So it was a ridiculously short. Shoot, shoot time. Boy, that is. By the way, for uh, people who, who are keyed into this sort of thing, uh, the Russian Woodpecker won the Sundance Grand Jury Prize uh, for documentaries uh, at last year's Sundance. So, and it's been. It, it's. I think you're a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes for people who care about that. But it's. It is. Uh, it, the reaction to the film has been tremendous. What were you? How, how's that feel for you as a as a director? <laughs> It feels surreal and wonderful and absolutely unexpected. Um, it, you know, following Fyodor and agreeing to make this five-minute short film with him that we were going to put on YouTube turned out to be one of the best decisions of, of my life. Yeah. It, it, at one point, did you say, you know, I don't, I think I got more than a five-minute film here. <laughs> did it take long for that sort of sink in, or you just? <laughs> well, you know, when we started the investigation, I, I arrived with a borrowed camera, and I found uh, an, a, a local fixer, and we had a list of engineers and scientists and colonels that we wanted to interview. 
And I sat down with Fyodor, and I, I said, look, let's just talk to these guys, and then we'll know the truth. And Fyodor looked at me with these sort of, you poor, naive American <laughs> eyes, and he said, that will never work. We will never find the truth from these people. The only way to find the truth is to reenact my dreams. And the first dream is that I build a raft out of mirrors and sail it across a radioactive sea <laughs> with a torch, naked. And I thought, that's insane. I don't have the budget or the time, and how does that relate it? And that was just the beginning of his dreams. His dreams took us ultimately all across Ukraine. But he insisted that the only way to fight ghosts was through dreams. Oh, wow. And I eventually, we, we came to a standstill, and then we made a, a deal. I would film his dreams, and he would come and interview the scientists. Okay. So we had a, a parallel investigation in the beginning. And when I saw his first dream captured, he, then he also brought along an extraordinary cinematographer named Artyom Ryzhikov, yeah. who, filmed, who eventually took the camera away from me, he, luckily, and filmed the, <laughs> filmed the movie. Um, when I saw their first dream, I realized that this could be something really beautiful and special. And when they came to the first interview, this 90-year-old uh, Soviet weapon designer, and every time Fyodor would ask him about this particular antenna, his hands would shake, and he would change the story and start talking about what an awesome dude Stalin, Stalin was. <laughs> At that point, Fyodor started to think that my approach might have some merit because he thought that maybe we could learn by, we could figure out what, what the truth was by seeing what people were afraid to talk about. And so at that point, we realized, hmm, maybe this is 20 minutes. Maybe this is a little bit longer. Um, and um, ultimately, these two parallel investigations, the dream investigation and the, and the, the more logical the conscious invest investigation, they sort of merged, and uh, we get a little bit of both. We get a little bit of the dreams in the in the film. Yeah, we're uh, we're speaking with Chad Garcia, director, producer, editor, and not cinematographer on, <laughs> on the film <laughs> "The Russian Woodpecker," uh, and he, along with uh, Fyodor Alexandrovich, will be at the Lemley Music Hall for a Q&A tonight. That would be Friday, October 30th, to talk about The Russian Woodpecker. Um, i got to tell you that this film reminds me of one of my all-time favorite documentaries. It's really one of my favorites of all. Uh, Genghis Blues. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's it's basically about these two guys who just, who'd never made a film, and they, they ended up in Tuva, which is in basically outer Mongolia, following an American blues singer on this incredibly <laughs> fantastical journey. And they have no idea what's going to happen, but it takes some places that you just couldn't even you couldn't make up the story. And that's how I feel watching the Russian Woodpecker. You couldn't make this up. And yeah, and and it. I mean, the parallels are kind of striking when I think about it. But it it at the end of the day, it is it's entertaining, it's enlightening, it's thought provoking, and God damn it, it could be the truth about Chernobyl. So that is. That is fantastic. That is just an amazing, amazing uh, um, enterprise that you you have pulled us in on. Um, I I just want to ask about Fyodor. Is he in any danger? Do you is there been threats on his personage or his family? Anything going on that you can talk about in that regard? Well, you know, people ask that question at every screening, and so I can tell you what Fyodor always says. Um, well, first, I remind people that. 
soon after the the secret police threatened him, and soon after he did some things that you'll see in the film that um, could have gotten him imprisoned, in, in, in the pro-Russian government fled. And yeah. the people who were kind of behind these threats evaporated. So the immediate threat to Fyodor disappeared when the pro-European government was, um, was, was, uh, was brought into power. Um, and Fyodor says, this danger now is not just to me. The danger is to all the world. Because when you have a, um, you know, he, he's nervous about, about Russia and, and about uh, the world situation. And he feels that um, when you have some, a country with nuclear weapons and a, an opaque decision-making process and, um, and a, a government that runs on lies and propaganda, that it's not just him or not just Ukraine, but, but the Baltics or... Uh, or, or Europe, that we're all in danger. Yeah. So, you know, I, I hope he's wrong. And I hope, and it seems that there's some some moves to calm down the situation in, in Ukraine and, and in Russia, and I hope that peace returns to, to both of those countries. And that the Russians, you know, it's important for me to to say that the film is, is anti-Soviet. It's not anti-Russian. Yeah. There are there a lot go. of Soviet thinkers in Ukraine, and there are a lot of Soviet thinkers in Europe and even in America. We had one at our at our film last night who really attacked Fyodor on stage um, with words and, and claimed that this whole movie was a CIA backed propaganda uh, propaganda stunt that um, that we um, that not only the CIA funded and um, uh, that the CIA created the revolution in uh, in Ukraine and that I was uh, a CIA agent who had uh, who had funded this film, which is absurd. But, you know, in, in that part of the world right now, people are, be, are being fed the most absurd yeah. ideas. And so yeah. you know, and those ideas have leaked into, you know, beyond the borders of the, of the post-Soviet, you know, Soviet region. Wow. Well, I know, I know all so that I can to tell be... You that, I yeah. can tell you Fyodor really, Fyodor responded with enormous grit, and he stood up, and the, the crowd erupted into... Almost a standing ovation as he defended democracy and openness, and 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 said that no, the Ukrainian revolution was three million people who were fed up with the corruption yeah. and lies and wanted to live in a in a in a normal, uh, sane country yeah. and killed these ghosts of the Soviet Union that are that are they're still strangling the soul of, uh, of so many people and of so many of the, the countries that surround Russia. Well, this is a. In, an amazing document on in terms of understanding just what you're describing and also uh, a window into a world that, again, the great thing about documentaries, we get to see things, we get to be places, we get to hear things that we would otherwise never, ever have the opportunity to hear or see or think. And um, my hat's off to uh, Fyodor for his courage and to you for the work here with the Russian Woodpecker. It is a remarkable film. And you'll be at the Lemley Music Hall tonight with at 710 with Fyodor to talk about the film. And you'll I'm sure it'll be a spirited and lively and interesting uh, conversation. Uh, I am thrilled to have you on, Chad. All the best to you on your second, third, fourth, fifth films. And I hope you come <laughs> back uh, and join us and talk to us about those as well. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It was great, great talking to you. Have Th a great day. You too. Thank you.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.